I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. So this week, we are taking some time to talk about population health, which is the health outcomes of a group of people rather than one person at a time. So most of us are usually focused on our individual health and that of our families and loved ones. But this week, we're going to look at some of the things we do to help keep each other healthy and some of the considerations that go into health requirements. When I first saw this topic, I was wasn't sure what we were going to talk about exactly, but as I've been preparing, I realize how grateful I am for so many of the population health measures that are out there to help us. So to begin with, your essay this week talks about pasteurization of milk. We're looking back in time at some of the different requirements that are out there now to help protect us and keep all of us healthy. Tell us about how you landed on this essay. Well, I was just brainstorming all the different public health measures that we do, and one that comes back from basically 150 years ago is pasteurization of milk. Um, We used to, of course, just get our milk right from the farm, raw milk, but it didn't last long before going bad, and it couldn't be transported very far. And milk is a lot of nutritional benefits for everyone so it's nice to be able to give it to everyone Mm -hmm. and since more and more people are removed from the farm thank goodness we have pasteurization uh, where they found that we can heat the milk and kill off a lot of this bacteria and molds and yeasts so that way it can be uh, kept safe longer and transported longer and 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 used for for everyone to enjoy the benefits right yeah we had a conversation with this about this over Christmas, we were at my the farm I grew up at, my parents' farm, and the farm that my dad grew up on, and uh, you were asking him about it, and he, even though they had their own cows, right, right there on the farm to have fresh milk, they still had a pasteurization process. He talked about how his mom would pasteurize the milk and uh, how that was part of it, and he mentioned how it would kind of separate and have kind of these clumps in it and how he was so jealous of the city kids, the town kids who had this nice smooth milk out of a carton, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So we have a lot to be grateful for our nice smooth milk that doesn't make us sick. Right. Right. And the pasteurization process and the people who figured that out. Right. And thankfully not much at all for nutritional benefits and are lost and vitamins are lost in the process of pasteurization. And they often add additional vitamins like A and vitamin A and vitamin D and such to our milk that's good for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, yay pasteurization, (laughs) one of the public health measures. 
Excellent. All right, well, let's go to our first break, and we'll give our listeners an opportunity to call us with any questions they may have for us this morning. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is population health. So looking at the health outcomes of a group of people rather than just one person at a time. Dr. Ellsworth, let's talk about immunizations and how those have really influenced the way diseases can really be decreased and uh, we don't have to worry so much about some of these diseases that we've had to worry about in the past. Yeah, the list, of course, goes on and on of the things we can immunize for and that we've successfully virtually eliminated from the population. One example, when I talked to some of my older colleagues, they used to have to do lumbar punctures or spinal taps on babies and kids quite frequently when they'd get these high fevers because that could have been meningitis and often was, Mm -hmm. um, which could be devastating and and needed to get tested to know to get the right treatment and right course of antibiotics. And so um, that one of the main causes of that was haemophilus influenza. And that H flu is one of the things we vaccinate in infancy. And it's been extremely successful that we rarely see that anymore. And also rarely or not near as much have to do a, a spinal tap or a lumbar puncture on an infant or a child in those situations. Um, so thank goodness again for that that example that public health measure. Mm-hmm. Um, great, you know we could the list goes on and on of possible immunizations that that have been helpful uh, for us and 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 that they're still important mm-hmm. because these things can come back and have come back and we've seen mumps outbreaks and some measles outbreaks and so on and uh, and these things are preventable. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of these vaccines are not 100%. And so it takes enough people getting the vaccine to get the herd immunity to help protect everyone. 
including the 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 the, the some people that don't amount enough of immune response either because of a disease or a cancer treatment or um and then they and then they when they get a vaccine they don't have the immune response okay right so yeah so now we have kind of a, a schedule right uh, when we have a baby of what ideally what age and months and as we go through life we get these different vaccines that will hopefully protect us but also protect others yeah a number of them are repeated Mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll get the same vaccines at two four and six months of age uh because it's it's needed to help get that protection mount that immunity cumulatively to to get to you know as close to 100 percent as we can but we can't always get to 100%. But when you have enough people vaccinated, it helps protect everybody. Right. And so when we're looking at public health, there's often a little bit of personal freedom or personal sacrifice that's made to protect the whole. And that's true whether it's immunizations where I'm getting poked to protect myself and others mm-hmm. and... I'm, but I'm, I, I have a little bit of pain from that. Mm-hmm. I'm, so that's that personal sacrifice. Also, speed limits. Mm-hmm. I'm giving up a little bit of freedom to drive, at, uh, limiting how far fast I'm going to drive to protect other people on the road. You might say, well, I'm out in the country. I can go as fast as I want. That works up until you reach that crest of the hill and someone else was doing the same thing, going as fast as they want in the country and something happens or you have a head-on collision. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be mindful of others when we're on the road. Mm -hmm. And that's another public health measure. We think about smoking and that's a fairly more recent example of of getting rid of smoke in in buildings in public places. And... um, I know my wife appreciates not having having the, oh, the I smoke. Do. I remember as a kid going to the bowling alley, and that place just, I, I don't care for cigarette smoke smell at all, and that bowling alley would just smell. <laughs> and so I remember from all the cigarette smoke, and then you'd get home, and I'd just put that clothes in a special spot and get that stuff washed and changed right away, uh, and it get in my hair, so I'd have to shower right away because everything just smelled like cigarette smoke. But, right, we don't have that anymore because smoking isn't allowed in the bowling alley or the bars or the restaurants or, right, remember we used to have a smoking section in a restaurant, right? Remember? Yeah. That seems so long yeah. ago. Right, now. we're getting older. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. but uh, but yeah, we because we learned that secondhand smoke can be so uh, damaging to the lungs as well, um, and so this is something that helps protect the smoker because then they can't smoke somewhere and the people around them. Mm-hmm. And now some don't appreciate that, but some do. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's very addictive, and um, having that knowing that, well, I can't smoke here has helped some people that were addicted to smoking and wanted to quit and now couldn't smoke here anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we learned a lot about the effects of secondhand smoke as well, right? Me influencing that decision. So last night at supper, I was asking our seventh grader about what they're reading in English class now, 
with the start of the new semester, and they're currently reading short, persuasive writings. And what they read yesterday was about a proposed limit on soft drink sizes in New York City back in 2013. And the regulation would have limited the sale of many sweetened drinks to no more than 16 fluid ounces in New York City. So Eli was telling me that the seventh graders read arguments both supporting the measure and against the measure, talking about the health benefits and then also talking about how this re regulation maybe went too far because people choosing to drink sweetened drinks really only affects themselves and, and not others, like we talked about secondhand smoke. So, and in the end, the regulation was repealed. And so I told Eli that's exactly what we're talking about this week uh, on Prairie Doc. So how do we weigh health measures for the good of the population against the freedoms and choices that we have individually? Yeah, it comes <laughs> down to weighing the risks and the benefits and thinking about um, people's personal choices and freedoms uh, versus uh, safety or the good good for others and good for those around us mm -hmm. and it's 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 a give and a take mm -hmm. and and it is worth a discussion and that's why we have some of these discussions um when you think about freedom versus safety sometimes though a little bit of limit on freedom mm -hmm allows more freedom tell me more so going back to mm, the driving example mm -hmm. you know if we say unrestricted you can drive however you want wherever you want well then more and more people don't feel safe driving and don't feel they have the freedom to drive mm -hmm. because of the safety consequences mm -hmm. but when we put these limits in place people and you put the rules and how to drive and everyone follows it, now you have freedom to drive wherever you want with you know, rarely thinking of accidents. Certainly they happen. Right. And human error happens and weather happens, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it, it, uh, sometimes a little restriction on personal freedom allows more freedom for everybody. Mm -hmm. All right. Including themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any questions you would like us to address. 605-692-1430. Our programs are available as podcasts. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. Frostbite can permanently damage the body, and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a health care provider. Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Ellsworth, we had a question that came in online. This question says... My child is allergic to the flu vaccine, but is not allergic to any other vaccine. 
Why is that? And how are vaccines different? Great question. Yeah, vaccines can be made differently. Uh, some of them can use eggs in the process. And traditionally, the, va the, the flu vaccine used egg in the process. You can get egg-free flu vaccines. Mm -hmm. uh, so you could ask for that specifically to get a flu shot. Now, that may or may not be what they were allergic to. That's the most common thing, perhaps? That yeah, that would be into? one of the most common things okay. as far as uh, allergy, especially with the flu vaccine. Um, and so it, it can involve with the process of making it. Now, sometimes a person may have some sort of reaction to a vaccine that isn't really an allergic reaction. Um, with the COVID vaccine, there were some people that would have some redness or swelling. It was more of a, um, a body's, <laughs> I want to say the word reaction, but then that sounds like just it wasn't an allergic reaction, but it a was response. a response, the, the immune response to the COVID vaccine, whether that was the pain, the swelling, or fevers, or feeling fatigued. Mm -hmm. is an immune response showing that the vac the person's building an immune response and and so that in some ways it's a good thing that not didn't they may not like the way they not feel necessarily pleasant not pleasant right mm -hmm. but um doesn't really necessarily make it a allergic reaction either mm -hmm. um and they may or may not have that strong of a reaction a different time for instance with the covid vaccine when when we first did it and we said get the second one a month later well now we're finding actually if we wait a little bit longer between vaccines so if someone's not had them at all now they recommend waiting i think eight weeks mm -hmm. between the two vaccines and or after someone's had covid they recommend waiting three to four months before you have a, a booster because the closer they are, we found they had more of this reaction or immune response to, to the vaccine. And so sometimes a person gets, or maybe a puncture in the skin, cause an infection. Because our skin is one of our best barriers to infection. And when you poke it, there's, there's risk of an infection there. Mm -hmm. So you could have a localized infection. Well, it really wasn't because of the vaccine. It was because of the needle mm -hmm. piercing the skin. And so that's why we always want to make sure we, we do this in a sterile way, carefully. So there can be different reactions that aren't really allergic reactions, and they may not, so they didn't have any reaction to having any other vaccine before, and really they could have that vaccine perhaps again and not have that issue. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they had some sort of event or uh, illness that had nothing to do with the vaccine. It just happened to happen right after the vaccine. And then really it wasn't from the vaccine, but that's why it's like, oh, I'm allergic to that vaccine, but not other vaccines. So there's different situations that can create this where it's like, well, I'm allergic to that one, but not others. Mm -hmm. So I don't really understand this, but the way vaccines are made or the way the, the whatever we need from the vaccine is delivered to us can be presented in different ways, right? And so some of those may cause an allergic reaction in some right. way Right, yeah, whether it's it was incubated using eggs mm -hmm. or that's where the COVID vaccine was able to come out faster because it doesn't need to be incubated, doesn't need to be grown. It just carries the 
genetic instructions for so it, so that that's why it was an mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. It just has the genetic instructions so that one our our we can just our cells can process the mRNA instructions to make the protein that now our body's forming a re a response to and to to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Because our body's processing MRI, mRNA instructions in our cells thousands, millions, all the time. All the time. And then they're just disregarded mm-hmm. and by our body. So there's different ways that vaccines work, whether it's a live virus, an attenuated virus where the virus has been weakened, or a dead virus particles where then we build the response to them. Or the mRNA version where we, we build the particles ourselves, our body does, to, to, to that way it's introduced to the body to fight fight it. Mm-hmm. Or incubated in an egg or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So lots of different ways. So like I was saying, these things, you know, I I just know a tiny bit about, right? But we get told, you know, you should get these vaccines, you should do that. And sometimes we, even though the public measure is recommended, we might still have questions before we're willing to give it to our child or to ourselves. So how does having a trusted primary care physician possibly help us with that? How have you seen that be helpful to people as they're navigating these decisions? We get told, you should get this this vaccine for your kiddo. Um, but as a parent, you're kind of like, wait, what now? What do you want me to do to my kid? How do you na- help families navigate that? I think it does help to have someone that you've had other experience with and that you can feel comfortable going back and forth in dialogue with that doesn't have an ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you get that vaccine, you know, I may want you to or encourage you to, but I get no financial benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe some website does or doesn't or is pushing some other supplement or some other treatment or whatever. Maybe there's, you know, there's good websites too, I'm sure, but Mm -hmm. you can go down some rabbit holes that what are they, what are they really selling? Or are they selling the advertisements of the things next to the thing that you're reading? Mm -hmm. And so, and they, they got you because you're read, you want to keep reading and you're getting more advertisements and you're making them money because they are saying whatever they want to say that's interesting. And so, yes, going back, someone that, understands the healthcare system, understands the vaccine. You know, we, I'm, I can't claim to be an expert myself, but I certainly have experience and have healthcare knowledge and I'm happy to share that. And especially with my patients who I've known for years and I love and care about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's nice to be able to ask our physicians those questions where like, I know this is what's recommended. Can we just talk about it a little bit more? Can you explain, you know, and then can you explain to me well, how this vaccine works or how it teaches my body what it needs to do to fight off this illness? But it might be best as part of an appointment. Right. Because I only have so much time in my day to make phone mm-hmm. calls or messages back and forth about some of these things, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. So when we're going in for those regular exams or we do those shots, just ask the questions, right? Yes. Like if you have concerns and... Um, can explore those. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. If you want to call us with your questions at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430. We have just a few minutes left. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. 
Did you know that someone in the United States has a heart attack every 40 seconds? A heart attack happens when a part of the heart muscle doesn't get enough blood. You might hear a heart attack called an MI, or myocardial infarction. The more time that passes without treatment to restore blood flow, the greater the damage to the heart muscle. If you have pain in your chest, call for help. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here answering all of our medical questions. This morning, we've been talking about population health and the different measures that are in place that many of us follow to help keep everyone else healthy. So it's been, it's fun. It's fun to take a historical view on those things. And I know you're going to spend a lot of time talking about different healthcare measures on the television show uh, tomorrow night. Tell us more about that show. So we're, we're going further in this discussion about public health and examples of public health measures and, and how we come about them. And I've got Dr. Tad Jacobs from Avera. Um, recently retired mm-hmm. um, and been involved as a, as a primary care doc for a lot of years, also a Vera leadership in the past. And then Dr. Um, Tom Dean from Washington Springs, also seasoned doc. So both of them can give, me a, give us a lot of perspective of changes and things they've seen over the years with healthcare measures and public health measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they are a couple passionate doctors who've done a lot to help promote accurate healthcare information uh, in a lot of different ways. They've both been on the show more than once. Mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be really special. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, I know you've been on call recently because I live with you <laughs> and there's a lot going on. There's a lot, some sickness is going on. You've been very busy. You haven't been home as much when you've been on call lately. Tell, tell us, what are, what are you seeing in the community? What should we be watching out for? Well, it's all out there yet. And I, so in the last month, I have definitely, or last couple of weeks, I mm-hmm. have uh, admitted people to the hospital with RSV or with COVID or with influenza. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen a lot of influenza yet, but we will often peaks in January, February in South Dakota. And so that's coming up yet. I don't think it's too late really, since we haven't seen a ton yet to get a flu shot. Um, COVID's still been going around the whole time too. And uh and so that's a consideration for the COVID booster. And uh, RSV, um, which typically is more of an issue for infants mm-hmm. and with bronchiolitis and breathing problems, and that's started to become an issue again. But this year, we do have uh, more options for RSV vaccine, respiratory syncytial virus, typically just one of the cold viruses, like I said, can be bad for inf- infants. Most of us might just get some cold symptoms, but some of the older f- folks or people with uh, poor or immunocompromised conditions can, can have more of an issue too, or any of us can have a bad cold that turns into bronchitis or pneumonia and, mm-hmm. and still end up in the hospital. So um, the RSV vaccine itself is recommended though it's 60 and older or with immunocompromised conditions. That's something to consider or talk to your doctor too. But, uh, yeah, it's that time of year. Yes. So, so if you're sick, please uh, consider staying home or wearing a mask. Uh, think of others. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yeah. And, uh, um, and uh, we'll get through this together. 
All right. Excellent. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us tomorrow for another new live On Call with the Prairie Doc. Prairie Doc Andrew Ellsworth is joined by in the studio by Dr. Tom Dean and Dr. Tad Jacobs as they discuss and take questions about population health. Tune in starting at 7 p.m. Central on SDPB or streaming on our Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, Stay healthy out there, people.